Hello and welcome to The Forge. My name is James and this is the place where I teach verse by verse through the Bible. I am a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant who went on to serve the Lord's Church as an assistant pastor, worship leader, and youth pastor. During my time in these roles, I finished seminary and I hold a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies and a Master of Divinity. I've been involved in ministry in some form for over 25 years, and it is my hope that this podcast will be a blessing to you as I teach from God's Word, the Bible. Forge exists to serve those whom the Holy Spirit is calling into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is done through biblical teaching so that individuals understand God's forgiveness, live in its reality, and overcome the wounds caused by bondage to sin. I will always hold to the truth found in scriptures, and a summary of my doctrinal statement is worded perfectly in the five solas of the Reformation. I believe Christians experience gratefulness and renewed purpose as they are encouraged by the words of life, which spring from the Bible. I pray that this podcast plays a role in God's ongoing work in your life. Don't forget to look in the show notes for links to the podcast website where you can leave a donation or leave a voice message with questions. I will be collecting questions for a future Q&A podcast. Also, please leave a review on whatever platform you are using. That and telling others about this podcast are the two biggest things you can do for me. Now grab your Bible and get ready for a verse-by-verse study. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Welcome back to The Forge. I am so glad and thankful that you've decided to listen to yet another episode. We are working our way through Genesis verse by verse, and it is my hope that this study is a help to you. I hope that I can offer some insights to the creation account that will help equip the Christian to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within. And with that said, let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Genesis 7, verse 1. This is the word of God. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. You shall take with you seven of each of every clean animal, a male and his female, to each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days, I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. 
So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean animals, of animals that are unclean, of birds, and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month, the 17th day of the month on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah two by two of which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark was moved about on the surface of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward, and the mountains were covered, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of the spirit of life. All that was on dry land died. So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. God calls Noah and his family into the ark. And notice what God says about Noah in the very first verse. God says, I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And this reflects us back to the previous chapter uh, where we're told that Noah was perfect in his generation. And friends, this is how we use Scripture to interpret Scripture. You may remember that my explanation of Noah's perfection had more to do with his spiritual standing before God because of the righteousness that God imputed upon Noah than it did with pure human genetics, as other people have suggested. Noah had a covenant with God, which was initiated by God, and it was kept by God. Noah believed God, and no doubt he had a hope 
for the coming seed of the woman. And so we find ourselves here. It is now seven days until the flood starts. Noah was 600 years old and he had preached for 120 years. No doubt he was laughed to scorn. Imagine a world where it has never rained. Imagine that you watch a crazy man build a boat where there is no water. He's building this boat on dry land. And this man claims that God has actually spoken to him, that the whole earth is going to be destroyed by a massive flood. And I have wondered if the locals gathered near Noah's building site, just out of curiosity, did they gather around and watch? Did they mock him? Did they laugh at him? But Noah had an assurance and it didn't matter what others said. It didn't matter what others did. He was going to go through with God's plan. We also see here the mention of clean and unclean animals. And this is an interesting part of scripture because we do not learn what clean and unclean animals are until Leviticus chapter 11. So here again, we see that there was some knowledge of God's law concerning clean and unclean animals. We've seen similar things previously in our study of Genesis in terms of a sacrificial system as a means of worship. We talked about public and corporate gatherings for worshiping of the one true and living God. Um, There was a knowledge that murder and lying is wrong. And I would just remind my listeners at this point that first we are reading a summary, as I've said many times, we're reading a summary. And secondly, some people do believe that Adam was given the whole law to include a sacrificial system when he fell. I tend to stick with what the Bible actually clearly states, and I try to keep my conclusions reasonable uh, within the boundaries of Scripture. That is, I don't want to violate Scripture So I believe that it is perfectly reasonable that there was some kind of a moral code, a law, and it was ultimately based on whatever God had given to Adam. So we have this knowledge of clean and unclean animals. We read that the windows of heaven poured out and that the earth breaks open. God causes that water blanket that was above the earth to fall down and he causes the springs and the underground waterways to burst forth. In the previous episode, I addressed the dimensions of the ark, the size of the animals, and the fact that it could easily accommodate the animals and the people while standing up to a violent deluge. I have wondered if Noah had insects on the ark and someone once told me that if you've got animals, you've got insects, you've got bugs. So I have also learned that insects do not drown. At least they don't drown easily and that there would have been a a sufficient amount of floating debris and dead animals to keep the insects dry enough and alive. Plus they would have a food source. So another thing that is fascinating to me is the design, which I have seen from different artists, ideas of what the ark could have looked like. Some of these ideas are very elaborate. They feature 
ways of porting water from the outside rainfall through half pipe fixtures, which would help to wash away all the mess that animals can make. Additionally, this would provide a fresh water supply for consumption for both man and beast. There's also the idea of a moon pool, and that is a hole that is constructed in the bottom of the boat with walls which reach all the way up to the top deck. This would not cause the boat to sink, but would allow for air circulation, uh, less stress on the hull, and somewhat of a smoother ride. I don't know exactly how smooth it would be, but the theory is that a moon pool makes the boat ride somewhat smoother. You can find more on the construction of a moon pool and what that would do to a boat at the Answers in Genesis website. If you want to do an internet search, you can go to Answers in Genesis and they have a lot of information there. So one of the criticisms that people bring to this portion of the Bible is that Noah's flood was only local. It's always amazing to me how critics attempt to get out of a miraculous event that is recorded in scripture and they don't realize that they are actually working themselves kind of backward into another unnecessary miracle. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. So they will say the flood was localized, not global. If it was therefore a local flood, and not global, then why not just to have Noah move? There was no reason to build an ark, and why gather up animals? Because the animals are going to live in other places. Why does it say that the flood waters were raised 15 cubits upward in the Bible? Now, we've talked about the way you can measure a cubit in the previous episode. We had probably up to 30 feet deep in uh that's what it means when it says 15 cubits upward. But if it's localized, there's no reason to say that it was 15 cubits upward. So it was a global flood. And if you read the context of the scripture in the whole, the whole story, there's no way that you would come away from that thinking it was a localized flood. You will recall from the last episode that Jesus was asked about the coming kingdom. And he made a reference to the days of Noah. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, which causes us to ask, well, what were the days of Noah like? We see a population boom. We see sexual perversion, at least in the form of polygamy, if not more. If there was something strange going on with the sons of God, as we talked about in the previous episode, it was no doubt sexually perverted in nature. We see violence and murder, and we see a general corruption in that, according to Scripture, the only thought of man was evil continually. Friends, God will again judge the earth. Indeed, I believe he has already started judging the earth. We see this judgment, especially in Western culture, as we continue to push God, the Bible, and our Christian basis for law and order out of the public square. When we have our leaders saying that God has nothing whatsoever to do with our Congress, with our legislative bodies, 
But in Noah's Ark, we see that God always has a plan for the salvation of his chosen people. Noah obeyed God, and he and his family were saved. The flood was the end of God's mercy and his grace for all those who did evil in the sight of God. And as I said in the last episode, God will not always strive with man. Remember, God will not always strive with man. But we think about Enoch, who was mentioned in the previous chapters. Enoch was also taken to be with God before the flood. What did Enoch do? He walked with God, and God took him. So Enoch was spared from the judgment. The point is, is that those who walk with God will always have a way of escape. Now, it may look very grim. I think of our brothers and sisters in China who are in prison, who are persecuted. Our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, in places that are controlled by Muslims. You may have to go through a serious trial and pain. And indeed, I believe and have believed for a long time that the church in America will face serious persecution. I don't mean they make fun of you at work or at school because you dare to stand up for Christ. If you think it can't happen here in the United States, I would encourage you to look at other countries to include our neighbor to the north, Canada. Just do an internet search concerning the jailed pastor in Canada and see what you find. We may not have an ark like Noah did, but we have Christ. Even if we are told that we can no longer meet, we're told to keep our mouth shut about the gospel. We may lose our jobs. They may put us in jail. They may ultimately execute us. But listen, Christ will save his people in the end. This will be a relatively short episode today as I'm going to stop it here. Stay tuned to this podcast. I hope that you are hearing slight changes to the production quality as I continue to learn. Please tell others about this podcast. And if you can leave me a positive comment and a five-star review, that would be great. Until the next time, friends, Christians, be encouraged. God is on our side. again for listening to the forge podcast and don't forget to leave a review with comments let me hear from you leave a voice message through the link i hope and pray that you find ways to apply the truths of god's word in daily living remember dear christian you are forgiven it is by grace that you've been saved through faith may you grow in christ in the study of the bible and truly overcome wounds that were caused by sinful choices and actions of the past. I also pray that you are always reforming, seeking to glorify God in all that you say and do. Remember to be grateful 
to God for what he is working out, not only in you, but in all his creation as well. And lastly, be encouraged, encouraged to serve God and others as you grow in him.